The text for the sermon this day is taken from both the Old Testament reading as well as a reading from Revelation, which was heard earlier. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I want you to think of that very first struggle that you have every single morning. Well, some of you have every morning. What are you going to wear? although some of you might be first just getting up. But after that is, what are you going to wear for the day? The clothing that we choose can be quite the struggle for some, and for others, like, that smells good for wearing it for a third day or whatever, and just throws it on. Whatever the case, we all go through that little decision process. And I believe that what we choose to wear every day does is us trying to communicate something about ourselves. So we could go all the way back in history to the day when clothing was first required. The first time anybody had to wear any clothes. That was in the Garden of Eden. After Adam and Eve had part had been told not to partake of a fruit of a particular tree, they partook of that fruit. And because they partook of that fruit, the world, they fell into sin, and they tried to cover themselves up with some fig leaves, which is rather pointless because fig leaves are tiny, and so they're really pretty useless. But they tried to anyways to cover their nakedness, to cover the shame of, what, of the body that God had given them, And then, so God eventually provides for them clothing. He provides for them animal skins. And Luther made made a statement that the reason for this skin was because it was a reminder to Adam and Eve. Because we don't actually, there's debates and discussion as to how those animals died. But one thing that is, absolute, is most likely is that an animal did die. And it was a, const, it was a reminder, because before that happened, there was no death in the world. Nothing had died. No animals, no people, nothing. 
And so from one dead animal, the, man, the first man and the first woman were clothed with the, with the, anim, with the, skin, the skin of an animal. And so they saw a reminder of the cost of their sin and a reminder of their own mortality. Every time they saw that animal skin, they were reminded that they themselves would die just like that animal. See, our clothing tells so much about us. Or I should say, we try to tell something about us. And reality is, is that we are actually not that different from Adam and Eve when they cover themselves for the first time. When they cover themselves for the first time, they were trying to show who they, they were trying to hide their shame, to hide who they were. And so I think we still do the same thing. Now, obviously, clothing is necessary, but what we choose. So, for example, you know, earlier this week, I wore, you know, I wore a shirt that was, had two professional wrestlers on it. I like pro wrestling. There you go. And so it was telling what I like. But it's covering up. The goal of clothing is to cover up our body. To cover up what God created and cover up what sin has done to it. Because our, our bodies are most certainly not the way they are supposed to be. There's wrinkles, there are scars, there are marks that we don't, at places that we don't want. We're not, we are definitely not in the shape that we want to be in. I am in shape, rounds of shape. Ha <laughs> ha, bad joke. But, but it's not the shape I would like. <laughs> and so it, is the, so it is for many of us. There's something we are trying to hide. And the choice of, the very choice of what we use to cover ourselves is something else about what we want to tell people. I grew up in Ankeny, Iowa. I went there, I lived there from second grade till I graduated from high school. And I was, I was there on and off when I was in college and seminary. And for those of you who don't know, are familiar with Ankeny, Ankeny is kind of a wealthy community. And so when you grow up in Ankeny, if you don't wear the designer clothes, you are on the out. Everybody had to be wearing Tommy Hilfiger or whatever else. And if you weren't, if you're wearing Wrangler jeans, which I tended to be wearing, because that's what Walmart sold, then you were on the out. What you wear when you go through school is so important to what people think of you. But it doesn't go away. I mean, think about it. You go in for a job interview, do you think, oh, I would have put out a, this, this holy t-shirt and these holy jeans? You might if you're wanting to be a painter, but be painting houses, but otherwise, you're going to be pretty mindful about what you're wearing because you want people to think a certain thing about you. We would never dream of wearing clothes that really depict what we really are. We would never dream of wearing those old skins, 
animal skins like Adam and Eve. A constant reminder of our death, of our own mortality. Even worse is we, should, we would never dare to wear the ones that show how, just good, how good we are. Or I should say how good we are not. As scripture says, our works are like filthy rags. Except our scripture uses a much harsher word than filthy. If you were to look at how we are based upon our sinfulness, see of all the things that we say to others, all those thoughts, if anybody ever were to be able to look past what we wear, what we are trying to present to the world, and see the words that are inside of our heads, those thoughts we have for people that we have in our lives, people that we care about, and yet somehow we think that one thought that we cannot even imagine that, how did that pop into my head? But we think it nonetheless, and we entertain it. Or the way that we talk about others, the way we talk about our brothers and sisters in Christ, the way we, the, way we, the words, the language we use, if anybody knew the full depths of how we acted, the how we talked, how we thought, clothing such as that would be filthy. Well, go with the scripture word, like dung-covered rags. That's the clothing that would most accurately depict who we are. See, today, at the beginning of the service, you received upon your forehead probably one of the most, the most accurate reality of who you are. More accurate than any clothing you have is that ash on your forehead. Continuing with the what is the tradition of the Old Testament, as we have written about in, Joan, in, in the prophet Joel, as we heard earlier, or as the, the king of Nineveh did in Jonah, after the people were called to said, when no, Jonah said, yet 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown, he covered himself with ash and sackcloth. Continuing with that tradition, we have ash upon our forehead. That ash, when it was placed upon your forehead, you heard those words. Remember that you are dust. And to dust you will return. So for this Valentine's Day, the way we are spending it, you are hearing, you are dying. That you are one day going to die. From the youngest child to the oldest person. So when a little five-year-old comes forward, I say, one of us says, you are dust to dust, you shall return. We are saying, you are, you are dying. You are going to die. When we say it of the elderly, can't help but wonder, is this the last time we could say this to them? Will they be here next year? That is what that ash confesses. Your mortality, 
on account of your sinfulness, on account of all the ways we break the commandments over and over and over again. This afternoon we heard, as some of you may know, there's a horrible tragedy in Florida of a shooting at a high school. And we hear of those horrible events, and I guarantee it the narrative is going to break out any, if it hasn't already, is the discussion, how are we going to stop it? How are we going to end the shootings? Do you know what the problem is? The pro yes, and I'm not trying to get into a gun control topic here, but the problem really, not, like I said, I'm not trying to get political here, but the problem is not guns. The problem is people. We are filled with sinful, wretched people. If you want to see where the problem is, why there are things like that happening in the world, look in your mirror, and you are looking right at part of the problem. And we are all, and I say I also, the black that I'm wearing, that's a reminder that, a, that I am a dirty, rotten sinner who is also, I'm, bearing, I'm saying it much louder that I'm dying and I'm going to die one day. But here's the thing. Now, some of you may, you may, when you look in the mirror, it's going to look like it was just a blob of ash. That's because we're, for some reason, we never got any of those great artists to just paint the ash on your forehead to get a perfect cross. But it's a cross. And there's a reason for that. And I thought it was um, really cool as if for I know for Pastor Salcido, some of them, some of the people he put this cross on, he probably baptized. And when he baptized him, he said, I baptize, receive the sign of the cross upon your forehead and upon your heart to mark you as one redeemed by Christ the crucified. So you have that cross on your forehead to remind you that though we are dying you received another garment. You did receive a garment from Jesus. You received a garment from your Lord. You received a garment that was paid by the blood of Jesus on the cross. You received it in the waters of baptism when you heard the words, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You received a robe of righteousness. That robe that's depicted in Revelation 7, you received it at that moment. You received an everlasting robe, which declares to the world. So that cross is declaring to the world that though I die, though I may lie in dust and ashes. Here I'm quoting that, that, that hymn again. Though I lie in dust and ashes, baptism's occurrence, bright, an assurance brightly flashes. You're a child of Christ. That is the, that is the promise that the, the robe that you received in your baptism is guaranteeing that when you face death, that ragged, ugly, nasty, dung-covered robe, you get to leave it behind. And you get to wear the most awesome clothing you've ever seen. And you don't have to go to any designer clothes sto clothing store to go find it. Actually, all you need, all that was needed was water and God's incredibly rich word. 
It could be water from anywhere. Water, somebody could spit the water on you, saying, baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that gives you a robe that is the everlasting. That is the one that you carry to your death and beyond. It is the one that you wear all the way to your resurrection. That's the reason why whenever we have a funeral, what is draped over it? A white funeral pall. If there's a casket, there are some funeral, there are some urns that have palls, but we don't. But if you have that white pall, it's a reminder that the person that is in the casket, they are living in the presence of Christ. They are one of those people dwell, that have come out of the great tribulation. This is the great tribulation. The world that I just talked about, where there is a, that we had the shooting, that we've had these horrible things, this life is the great tribulation. The ones depicted in Revelation 7 are just like you. They are your loved ones who have died. They're people that we miss, that were here at last, that might have been here at Ash Wednesday services last year, but are not now. They are wearing that robe, having come out of the tribulation. They dwell where there is no sickness, no death, no hunger where there is none of this terror. And we look forward to the day when we rise together in glory, where our bodies will be exactly as they were meant to be. And we won't have to cover up anything. We won't have to lie or deceive anybody about who we are. We don't have to cover anything because exactly as we are presented there is the beauty you won't have to hide it because it will be perfect. It will be holy. It will be righteous. And there will be nothing needed to hide. Until that day comes, to God be all glory. In Jesus' name, amen. The grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, keep you in the one true faith to life everlasting. Amen. Please stand as we confess our common faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. Our Almighty, maker of heaven and earth.